The Kate Daly Show starts now. What if the Constitution no longer applied? What if the government could write any law, regulate any behavior, and tax any event? What if you could love your country, but hate what the government has done to it? What if Jefferson was right? What if that government is best which governs least? What if freedom's greatest hour of danger is now? Well, hi there. Welcome to the Kate Daly Show. Glad you're tuning in. Streaming the show, listening on your local dial, whatever it may be, we're just glad you're joining us. We have a lot to learn today, like we do every day. And I've got Uncle Milty with me. How hello. are you? And uh, hello. And we're here to uh, to just uh, kind of fill our minds and, and understand what's going on in our country and also uh, get educated. All the things we, we didn't learn all along, um, really, uh, we, we must have these moments where we where we absorb um, information and, and understand more than information, wisdom, where we understand wisdom and we can really sort of... I don't know, adopt these perspectives on true history and on our constitution and all of these things that are really at the base and, and the founding principles to which the constitution is based on. Got to have an understanding of that. So welcome to the program. You can go to katedallyradio.com and, uh, and you can uh, look at the podcast and, and listen to those, share those with friends and family so they can uh, be up to speed as well. You can also email me at kate at katedallyradio.com. The Facebook page is the Kate Daly show and of course, on Twitter, it's Kate on the Blaze, and so happy that you are joining us. I have a great guest, uh, Uncle Milty, and I've invited Art Thompson on. He is CEO of the, the John Birch Society, and we wanted to uh, spend some time with uh, you, Art, just to be able to sort of pick your brain about what's going on right now, where we're headed, where we've been, uh, true history, how important that is. Boy, we have a lot to ask you. And so welcome to the program, Art Thompson. Well, thank you for asking me on. Pleasure absolutely, to be here. absolutely. Uh, where do we start? You know, um, as CEO of the John Birch Society, and the John Birch Society has been around uh, for decades. You have really uh, grown and and started kind of espousing the things that you were espousing years ago um, when uh, people, many people probably just wouldn't even couldn't even take in the information. I, I would imagine um, because there was so much, there was a lot of truth contained in what was being said. And sometimes it's hard for people to absorb that. What has that journey been like for you uh, to be able to, you know, now CEO and, and what has that journey been like going through with the, with the John Birch Society and the growth that you've seen in all these years? Well, it's, it's been a, an interesting life, believe me. I'll bet. Um, I started out as a little kid. I had the luxury of having a father that taught me the Constitution and Declaration of Independence by the time I was nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had me read all of the life biographies of uh, our founders uh, and and that sort of thing. And, and it really gave me a basis for my heroes and an understanding of government. So that was the way I was raised. And I was raised in Seattle, uh, and, and in that area, there, there's a lot of communists in Seattle. I don't know if you know that or not, but no. there are. Mm-hmm. In fact, the uh, the situation in Washington State in those years uh, was under Franklin Delano Roosevelt, his postmaster general, James Farley. He's the man that coined the, the phrase, uh, the 47 states and the Soviet of Washington. Hmm. And he meant, you know, that's when we had 48 states. Right. 
And and so uh, at one time, uh, the the Washington State Legislature had more communists in it than any other state in the Union. Uh, oh that gosh. sort of thing. Uh, you go down on the waterfront, and today you go on TV and you see that famous fish market down on mm-hmm. uh, Pike Street yep, Market where they're throwing the, the salmon in the air. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in those years, uh, it was not unusual to see communist uh, placards plastered all over the place and people on mm-hmm. the street corner selling the worker. Uh, that sort of thing. That's that's the atmosphere I grew up in, and I saw some of the things that they were pulling as a child and understood uh, what they were doing. Uh, and it, so I read a lot of communist literature in those years, mm-hmm. uh, just out of curiosity. And so I, I grew up understanding what they were doing, the the kind of hypocrisy that they engaged in, mm-hmm. and uh, how they manipulated things, and realized that they had been infiltrating into other areas besides just standing on the street selling newspapers. Ah, yeah. So that's the kind of thing I grew up in. And when I went, finally uh, served my time, uh, you know, in training in the army, and then came home, there was a big blast against this outfit called the John Birch Society. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything they were saying in the in the papers that the John Birch Society was claiming, I said, well, yeah, that's I know that. What, what what's the problem? But I didn't like what they were calling the John Birch Society anti-Semitic, anti-Negro, right. anti this, anti that. And I thought, well, how can they be so right on this but wrong on that? Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, I, I uh, found a guy one day was doorbelling my neighborhood mm-hmm. back in 1963. And um, struck up a conversation with him. He was passing out some material. And finally I asked him if he was a member of the John Birch Society. And, and he said, uh, well, why, why do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> he was a little leery. Yeah. And so I said, well, I'm interested in maybe joining. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, several months later I did join in something like March or May, something in there, 1964. Mm-hmm. Uh, and discovered to my delight, once on the inside, that that all these charges against the society relative to their racism and all of that business was just balderdash. Hmm. And it was just used as a smear to keep people away. So at any rate, uh, I rose in the ranks pretty quick, uh, Mm -hmm. chapter leader, committee chairman, uh, Mm -hmm. section leader, speakers chairman, support your local police chairman, that kind of thing. Uh, Finally, I was asked on the staff, and I was on the staff for about 11 or 12 years as a state coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, but then went back into business for a few years and then came back on and then rose up uh, through the ranks uh, into being uh, named the CEO by the board. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, all through that time, it was very obvious that, that the biggest thing that we were fighting were, were two, three things primarily. Okay. One was ignorance. Uh, the schools were not teaching what they should have been teaching. I remember even when I was in high school, I was taught that there's no difference between a republic and a democracy. It's just a matter of which word you want to use. Oh, geez, <laughs> interchangeable? Yeah, right. A mob rule interchangeable, and a republic. You know, there's no difference. <laughs> wow. And another one uh, that my civics instructor told us was, communism isn't a bad system, it's just bad people have tried to implement it. Oh, uh, all sorts of things like that that I remember from my youth. So I, I know today it's even worse. Yeah. Uh, you know, the civics and the, and the study of the Constitution is almost nil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the things that people are ignorant about. But it's also an ignorance of the basic principles on which our republic were founded to begin with. Mm. 
And so we're we're dealing with ignorance, but we're also dealing with uh, a layer of uh, of responsibility mm-hmm. that used to be there that isn't there any longer um, amongst the the general population. In other words, they don't re- assume responsibility all across the board: individual responsibility, mm-hmm. civic responsibility, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So you have to overcome that as well. And and it manifests manifests itself in some of this millennial business of not assuming responsibility for your actions, like you're owed everything mm-hmm. just because you exist, instead of uh, being able to earn something and and right. uh, that and raising a family and and so on and so forth. But the biggest problem that we deal with, and and the biggest thing that Robert Welch, the founder of the John Birch Society, said was the 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 nub of the problem in our country was. The deterioration of morality, yeah, all yeah. across the board, and it, it it and part of that morality also is in, involved with responsibility. Mm-hmm. Responsibility is a moral thing, and uh, and so we see a deterioration of morality for a number of different reasons, and all these things are going on because essentially what we are battling, regardless of the organization involved uh, on the socialist side of the of the equation. They all have a common denominator, the two things that they want to do. Number one is to eliminate God out of society. Mm-hmm. Take it out of the schools, take it out of all public life, strip it off the public buildings, take it off our coins, right. you name it. We don't want God to be involved in anywhere in our public life. Mm-hmm. And secondly is to build a one-world government. So uh, that is the two main elements. Now, there are a lot of issues, there are a lot of agenda that are involved in arriving at that point. But generally speaking, those it boils all down to those two primary problems, mm-hmm. getting rid of God and building a world government. Do you, do you find so, it kind of interesting that, that 40 years ago they would have said tinfoil hat wear, and now they're finally realizing that, yes, as presidents have exclaimed their love for the New World Order <laughs> publicly, that we're finally in a state of realizing that this isn't something shadowy that anyone invented or, or people are pointing at. This is a very real thing, and it's happening right now. Are you, are, is, it, there's, is there some vindication in that? There has to be <laughs> some vindication. Finally, well, people seeing it. I mean, you, you know, you can feel good as you're yeah. standing in line in the concentration right, camp. Right. It doesn't do you any good. That's so exactly. true. That's See, so I told you I was right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the truth. Oh, gosh. The, the, whole, the whole thing is... Is, right. is organizing against all of this. Mm. And and that's the thing that, that the John Birch Society does. The reason the John Birch Society was attacked so many years ago, we we're going to celebrate our 60th anniversary this wow. year, is is not as much as uh, what we were saying, mm-hmm. which was, was truth, but because of the way we were organized. And nobody is organized like we are even today on the right side of the ledger. The, the the conspiracy, as we refer to them, on the other side, has been able to organize for 230 years. We've been fighting it in this country for 230 years, and most Americans are unaware of that oh, yeah. until recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they're beginning to un- believe that, yes, a political conspiracy does exist. They may not be able to put a name to it other than something like the swamp or the mm-hmm. deep state or, or something of that nature. But they are beginning to understand, yes, there is a conspiracy of people who have an agenda to bring about a totalitarian state as part of a new world order. 
and when they see presidents and and politicians and and other organizations saying that we need a new world order uh, you know, pretty soon bells start start to go off in their head. Mm-hmm. The problem that we we have with with the schools today, however, is that generally they're not teaching the kids to love our country and understand our country and how it is so distinctive and stands out heads and shoulders above every other country on earth by the way we were organized and on the foundation on which we were organized. A great experiment, never done before in history, mm-hmm. and uh, and and so. We, we're starting to see, just like I visited Poland last year, even even there they have people who are beginning to understand what has happened to them mm-hmm. and, and the betrayal that's, that's, that's happened, not just from uh, Russia and Germany and even the United States, but from their own Polish government in, in some cases, and they're fighting back. But they're caught up in that European Union, mm-hmm. and that's something that we don't want to get caught up in, uh, like a North American Union or, or something like that, which is is still on the agenda. Mm-hmm. Only it's because you know it's being it's, done yeah. more behind the scenes than when we stopped it yeah. ten years ago. Centralized government, and you know, for for countries. I mean, I, I you still can't believe that actually happened, but uh, but it did, and and we're next. They've been trying to do that here for years. Um, when we well, come, they did it yeah. all through free trade. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was sold through free trade, and that's the thing we've been trying to get people to understand. These things are not free trade agreements. Mm-hmm. These are regionalization of, of our government through a facade of free trade. Right, exactly. Yes. Thank you for saying that. We'll be right back more with Art Thompson and the book Victors. Uh, to the Victors Go the Missa Monuments. Fantastic book, by the way, if you want real history. We'll be right back more with Art Thompson, CEO of the Bird Society, when we come back. Kate Daly Radio. Hearing loss may be linked to mental decline. Loss of hearing can lead to social isolation and depression. New studies... Classic. Welcome back to the show. And of course, you're listening to Kate Daly, the Kate Daly Show. I've got Uncle Milty with me. Hello. And we also have a fantastic guest with us, uh, author Art Thompson, who's also CEO of the John Birch Society. I wanted to check in with him and, and kind of pick his brain on on how he sees things going today and on some of the danger uh, dangers that we need to be aware of today, real dangers, not contrived by the media. Um, um, and their hoaxy uh, explanations of it, but real, real stuff. And also the book, uh, To the Victors Go the Myths and Monuments. And it's a fantastic title when you really think about it, because in history, um, that that is, it's who we prop up in history, uh, you know, to the victors, whoever we decide those victors are, go the myths and the monuments and, and everything else. And so it's kind of amazing, uh, a book on true history that you can learn so much from as uh, art really puts together so much for you in that book. I mean, that book is a treasure trove. Uh, so welcome back to the show, Art Thompson. Yo, ready to go. Absolutely. In <laughs> fact, uh, we were just talking off the air. You know, you 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 go up to Washington D.C. talk with the the individuals there. What do you find? <laughs> what do you find when you go and try to explain explain things? Well, uh, usually, things? first of all, we're not a lobbying organization, sure. so we're there yeah. a lot, way out in front before anything becomes an issue on some things, and mm-hmm. so. For instance, the, the, just to give you an example, we started a campaign to inform people of the problems with the TPP, or the Trans-Pacific Partnership, mm-hmm. so, uh, about four years ago. And um, I went in and I talked to individually, one-on-one, with about, oh, well, it was over 30, I think about 36 congressmen. Not one of them knew what I was talking about. Not one. Wow. <laughs> and, and, but they were all for free trade. 
you know. Huh. And so uh, I said, yeah, but we're not talking about free trade. What we're talking about is an agreement that has five chapters on trade, and the other 29 chapters are all about building international government and, and tying the hands of Congress. And uh, finally, through that and the work of our members out in the field and so mm-hmm. on and so forth, it became a campaign issue by 2016, and then Trump ostensibly uh, kiboshed it. But that's still in the, it's still in the works. His, a lot of his team behind the scenes is trying to get him to change his mind. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, such, such org- uh, agreements and treaties and that sort of thing uh, amend the Constitution without the amending process. Mm-hmm. Congress uh, is has got more power than any other branch of the of the government. You know, we're taught or we're taught in schools that uh, we have three equal branches. Well, it's not true. We have three branches, but Congress can control the president, and it can control the Supreme Court. It can actually deny the Supreme Court the ability to decide a case if it wants to. And uh, most people don't study the Constitution close enough to realize that. They can impeach the president, uh, all sorts of things. And, And they are the only body that can pass law. Now, when you think about that, are regulations law? No. No. Well, they are in their implementation. Right. It, in, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're saying. And, and it's done yeah. behind the scenes. Policy That's and, and, right. and what you're talking about, is it all done behind the scenes with unelected individuals? <laughs> That's <laughs> correct. It's difficult to fight. And, and so we have, we have a federal, uh, we have the, the executive branch uh, producing quote-unquote law, we have the Supreme Court producing quote-unquote law, but that is the prerogative only of Congress. But these treaties do it, too, and this is how it's done. Mm-hmm. What they do is surrender the, the part of the Constitution that gives the power to the Congress to regulate foreign trade. And they say, due to this agreement, we are surrendering this to this new international commission based on this new treaty. And those commissions are amassing themselves more and more to where Congress has less and less Mm -hmm. to say about commerce. So that is, in in essence, amending the Constitution in the process. It's taking away Mm -hmm. those powers given to the Congress and transferring them to an international body. That is not legal in the strict sense of the term. And I didn't agree of, with it. <laughs> right. And he didn't agree with it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Not true. Yeah, Uncle so, Multy was just saying that. Mm-hmm. So at any rate, those those things are, are, are going on. But, but even more so, one of the biggest problems with, with educating people and getting them to understand what's going on is that none of these things in and of themselves stand alone. Mm-hmm. In other words, these treaties are part of an agenda. They are an agendum of the agenda. Uh, just like Obamacare was part of the agenda, just like uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, trying to nationalize the police is part of an agenda. All these things have to fit together. Mm-hmm. And the, the main thing that they're trying to accomplish on an international scale is to merge the United States into all of these agreements until we wake up one day and find out, hey, wait a minute, we're part of the European Union or the American Union mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, we won't have a say-so any longer in in, uh, what we do because we've lost our independence and the Constitution has been abrogated. But one of the things that... that, uh, Let me give you an example of balancing the budget, for instance. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we hear a lot of people say, we've got to balance the budget. And I have no problem with trying to balance the budget. 
that the problem that is involved in it, no matter even if you had a, a constitutional amendment, say you've got to balance the budget or anything else, is it does not take into account the ability of these international commissions through these tra- trade treaties to regulate our own economy mm-hmm. and our own uh, tariffs and excise taxes and the ability to even make uh, enough money to balance the budget. I mean, if, if they lower our economy... The budget keeps going down and down and down, not because we're getting rid of government and and getting rid of the cost of government, Mm -hmm. but because our economy just can't afford a budget any longer to the extent that that we want, whether it's right or wrong. And so these things are all interrelated, what what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and also this this whole idea of, of NAFTA, when you when you look at the people who who promoted NAFTA to begin with, like Kissinger and and others, they all said that this is a new international agreement that leads to a new world order. And everybody says, "Oh, what's that?" Right. And 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 it's true. Mm-hmm. The problem is we don't need a better deal because you can always recover from jobs. You can always recover from from a, a bad economy, but you cannot recover from a loss of independence. And so no matter good what point. kind of a deal we get through NAFTA, even if it's a good deal for jobs and the economy, we're still locked into this international agreement, which is very, very dangerous. And these guys, after Trump, can come down the road with whoever gets elected and start to beef NAFTA up again, you see. So true. So they so they need to have that thing on the books. They're, they're, they're dying to keep it on the books. Uncle Milty has yeah. a question for you. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious. Do you, do you have any feeling or sense that President Trump is just using this talk about making NAFTA more fair as a way to get to the point to get us out of it? I'm not sure. Uh, the, the problem I have with all of that is he, for, for instance, appointed Lighthizer as his uh, his uh, negotiator and Lighthizer has got an over 20-year history with the Council on Foreign Relations, right. uh, which is an organization mm-hmm. that, that wants a one-world government. And so, you know, it's it's a problem to being. Uh, here, here, let me back up a second because I have found over the years that you can talk to a guy and he's really got sound economics. And I'm not talking about Lighthizer or Trump or anybody right now in particular. I'm just talking about a, a, a politician can 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 spot all the right things about the economy, but if he does not talk about the international aspects of where we're going and the dangers of where we're going in that regard, he's not to be trusted. Hmm. I found that over the years uh, tr- uh, as as a tremendous problem, particularly in the Republican Party, which I worked in for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd look right at you and sound just like you wanted to hear. But when they got into positions of power, they were totally different. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some individuals, by the way, in Congress who are very, very good. A couple of them in particular. I'm not going to get into personalities mm-hmm. uh, that, um, that I'm talking about here. But there are some men who, who really do understand what's going on and are doing everything they can uh, to fight it in Congress. In fact, the last time I was in one of their offices... This guy is screaming at me. Now, he wasn't mad at me. He was so mad mm-hmm. at his fellow congressman. He was yelling, this Congress is bought and paid for. Hmm. And, and he says, you can't get them to do anything. 
I went into another congressman's office, and uh, he came in later. He had a, he had something that kind of uh, interrupted his schedule a little bit. But in the interim, I was talking to his aide, and his aide said, "Look, the, even the best of the Republicans uh, won't stand up for anything anymore. They're a bunch of wimps." <laughs> Right, and and, yeah. and I reminded them of that the last time I was there, and they kind of he got a little red in the face because he said it without his congressman being in the office with me. <laughs> but this time his congressman was in the office with me, right. so so it was uh, kind of yeah. funny to see him kind of get a little bit uh, embarrassed by what he said there. But it's true, yeah. these guys. You know, you, you you see this on on talk show mm-hmm. uh, TV or not? It's not talk show TV, but commentary t- television. Mm-hmm. You see it on talk shows where there's a concern about so and so not doing enough, not doing anything. How come they're not investigating? Right. How come they're this and that, and they're slowing things down? And you've got a list of people to interview, and you haven't interviewed anybody for six months, and so on and so forth. They are captured by the system. Mm-hmm. The system in Congress is is really, um, I don't know how to describe it, frankly. It, it is uh, incredible. A lot of people are not even aware, for instance, that you have to pay for your chairmanship uh, when you uh, get appointed to these chairs. It isn't simply that you agree with the Speaker of the House. You've got to put, put X amount of money right. into the Republican National Committee's coffers mm-hmm. in order to hold those positions, anywhere from 50 grand to 150 grand. And like one congressman told me, he says, now look, you don't buy those seats, you rent them. <laughs> because it, wow. you know it, yeah. it, it keeps coming around. Yeah, another yeah. 150, another 150. Isn't that the truth? And, I mean, what would it, what would it look like, Art, with uh, if we didn't have these parties? The parties have become bigger than life. It's all about the party, and somewhere in there was lost a long time ago. Um, what what we truly send representatives in for, and it has become you have to kind of buy your way into the party the whole time you're in office. Now, what would it look like if we didn't have parties? If if we weren't doing that in America? Well, I'm afraid that that condition probably would never exist as long as there's a conspiracy out there to take power, Mm. because they would form parties, factions, as Washington called them. But the original parties were formed primarily because of the beginning of this conspiracy, as I point out in my book, that is not part of the education we get when we study the Federalists versus the uh, the, the Republican Democrats, or Republicans mm-hmm. originally is what they were called, but then they became the Republican Democrats and finally the Democrats. But these things uh, were happening in our in our country uh, where we were having outside agents coming into our country trying to take over uh, the United States. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the Alien and Sedition Acts. Most people don't even know why that was done. They just know it was unconstitutional, but they have no idea of the motivation of why it was done. Just like a lot of the uh, Homeland Security laws today, uh, these were supposed to be the answers to to a, a, a serious problem, mm-hmm. but you were creating a bigger problem in the process. Right. A lot of people they don't because they they don't study the the basic mm-hmm. principles of government. Well, that's why don't we don't need any outside agents coming anymore. We've got plenty. We're just growing them that's now right. because we're just adopting socialism. Look at our millennials; they're they're in favor of it for Pete's sakes. I mean, you know, they, it's just it's at the ready now because that's what they're being taught. Correct? 
Well, that's true. But you see, a lot of people think that socialism is something foreign. The only mm -hmm. thing foreign about it was it was started in Germany uh, under the Illuminati. But they gradually, over the years, moved the headquarters of all this to mm -hmm. the United States right. back in 1872. Uh, most people don't know that Karl Marx moved Communist Party headquarters to New York in 1872. It's never left. Now, they all think it's Moscow and that mm -hmm. sort of thing, but yeah. uh, if it's you here. read my book, you find <laughs> out differently. Yeah, absolutely. And and to, and to the victors go the Miss and Monuments. It's a fantastic book, by the way, because it really lays it out so that you can see what actually happened. I mean, who's really hijacked all of this? And it's uh, it's very it's it is an interesting read. I, I would encourage people to grab that and to read it and have your kids read it. I think it's so it's such important reading. In fact, when we come back, I want to ask you what uh, what you'd recommend uh, for for maybe three books that every household should have. Where you get your news from and and dissecting through some of the headlines too. When we come back, more with Art Thompson, CEO of the John Birch Society. When we come back on the Kate Daly Show. This product and its pictures go the missing monuments. Fantastic read on history. In fact, we didn't get true history. I, I was in high school in the 80s and uh, I barely even went to class. It was, <laughs> we didn't get anything. And so, you know, what a, what a fantastic way uh, as adults that we can actually launch in and, and see our true history played out and find out what was, what has really been going on. Um, uh, you know, behind the scenes and also in front of the scenes, just things that we just didn't know. So welcome back to the program and, and kind of getting your take uh, on, uh, on Trump, on, on what's going on, uh, like, like we were talking about free trade, talking about all these issues that come up. It's got to be it's got to be tough, um, you know, to get people to understand and see what's what's truly going on here and has been going on for uh, centuries. I mean, it's got to be tough to be in a position because I know I'm, I'm in that same position of of trying to wake people up and say, this is what's going on. It's right in front of our face. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> what do you think, Art? Well, the, the thing is that, that uh, power corrupts mm -hmm. and absolute power corrupts absolutely to quote Lord Acton, the British Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so anytime that you have an accumulation of power, it doesn't matter what it is, in or out of government, but particularly in government, if, if power starts to accumulate, it will become corrupt no matter what the, the reason for uh, that accumulation of power was in the, in, at the onset. Mm -hmm. it, it's just human nature. And so that's why our, our founders uh, produced a government that was it, it initially so fractured uh, relative to responsibility and, and power and everything else. Plus the, the tremendous layers of strength within the American people, American mm -hmm. society, that we've lasted this long with the, uh, the, most, the longest uh, constitution in, in play. I mean, we have the oldest constitution in the world. Most Americans don't know that because it's such a great document. Right. Every other country, they, you know, every five, six, twenty-five years, uh, they change their constitution. We don't do that. We've amended it on on occasion. That's true, but the 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 fabric of that constitution is held fairly well. Mm -hmm. And when we can find people who will adhere to it when they're elected, in other words, uh, living up to Article uh, Six of the Constitution to defend uh, the Constitution from all uh, enemies, foreign and domestic. And, and voting constitutional, we will 
basically mm-hmm. save this country again. But I it's a matter that. of getting enough people in there to do that. Yes. Now, we're taught who the foreign enemies are, but you'll notice they never teach us who the domestic <laughs> enemies are. Yeah, they missed that part. <laughs> yeah, very, very and, and that was the thing also mm-hmm. that got the John Birch Society into trouble and still does. We identify who the enemies are. We don't pull any punches. Well, that leads me to a question, though. So what three questions would you ask a candidate running for office in America? Not, I mean, in any office in America, what what three questions would you ask to ascertain their level of understanding, their, their adherence to principles? Because we seem to go with values. It's like, uh, well, they, they share my values, so they're a great candidate for office. Not necessarily. I don't want somebody in charge of my liberty that doesn't understand um, that the Constitution and the principles of the Constitution. So what three questions would you ask somebody running for office well, to, to know? Well, first of all, before I'd ask him any questions, I'd, I'd want to know if the man is honest. Hmm. If a man or woman is honest, I can work with them. If they're not, there's nothing I can do because I can't tell if they're telling me the truth or lying. Okay. And I may not agree with them politically, but at least I've got a, a level playing field to where I've got a chance to convince them of my particular position. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the questions that I would ask them, for instance, is if they have a, a knowledge of the, the Constitution, how do, they, how do they look at the Constitution? Do, do they look at the Constitution as written or as interpreted by the courts? Ooh, great and question. there's a big difference. And will they obey Article 6 of the Constitution to defend it? Then I would ask them, what is your opinion of the 16th and 17th Amendments? Because if they don't understand those two things, they don't understand the the basic reason why those were not part of the original Constitution. The federal government did not want, I mean, the founders did not want the federal government to be able to directly tax the individual because they knew the power that that would give the federal government over the individual and business. So they didn't have an income tax. Yeah, it became their income. <laughs> so that's how yeah. they thrive. So and that's then the they 17th do. Amendment yeah. took away the balance of Congress and, and uh, because we have two houses. Mm-hmm. But both houses are elected by the same people now, the, the voter. That wasn't the way it was. The, the Senate was to represent the states, and so the legislatures uh, elected their senators to represent the states. Mm-hmm. Do you know, until we had the 17th Amendment, we didn't have any of these crazy treaties that, that abrogated the rights mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of our people? Great point. Uh, yeah, yeah and, and, because, and another thing, too, the, that we, we didn't always have a balanced budget. But the way, but the way the balance, the the budget was balanced was, if they went over budget, they dunned all the states for the overage based on population. In other words, uh, let's say uh, uh, West Virginia would not be taxed to the level of New York, for instance, because they had less people. But uh, and and so when the senator came home and had to stand in front of the legislature to 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 answer for his vote for that overage of the budget. It meant he's, he was putting his job on the line because the legislature might not vote for him next time. Right and so, because the legislature had to come up with that extra dough. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> right, you know, right. and, and so it was a tremendous balance. But the, the thing is that, that a lot of people don't understand why is the Senate involved in in certain things, uh, confer- uh, confirming uh, the cabinet, con- mm-hmm. uh, uh, ratifying treaties and that sort of thing. It's because they represented the states. They no longer represent the states. I don't yeah. care if they come from New Mexico or New York. The thing is, they're elected by the voters. They're not elected by the state governments. 
And that was the thing that they were supposed to do. The state governments built the United States government. And they were the, the main building blocks of, the, of, of our country relative to the government. And that was completely thrown out with the 17th Amendment because they convinced people that we need more democracy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, it, and it's hurt us tremendously because since those two amendments were passed, we've had a, a, some serious problems in our country relative to the growth of government and uh, the way they treat people and so on and so forth. Right. Right. So I'd want them, I want to know if they know anything about that. Yeah. Now, you asked me about with three books. Mm-hmm. Yes, three now, books. That's Everybody a tough one. Uh, yeah, it but, is. <laughs> but basically, I would say this: number one is the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Bible teaches us a lot about government, not only about how we are to behave, salvation, God, et cetera, et cetera, but it talks about political conspiracies. It talks about the the ins and outs of government and how we are to behave, not only as individuals but as governments. The second one I would say is the Law by Bastiat. I love if it. If they read, read the law by Bostjot, <laughs> that is also a good foundation for the, the, the... In fact, it is a rebuttal to the Communist Manifesto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then lastly, I would say Republics and Democracies by Robert Welch. Okay. Talking about what is the difference between these two types of government, what makes one superior to the other and the other one very, very dangerous. Mm. Now, if you want a fourth one, just to mm-hmm. talk sure. about the things that are going on today, even though it's a little bit uh, old, it's mm-hmm. been written, uh, you know, a few years ago, is The Shadows of Power by Perloff. Mm. That gets into the Council on Foreign Relations and its influence within government and uh, foundations and education and media and that sort of thing. And they stand for a one-world government, and it has a membership list of who is involved in that organization in the back. So you can look up somebody that's on television and saying, gee, I don't think I agree with this guy. And you look him up, and lo and behold, he's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. So from the standpoint of of what's going on right now, it's a good reference point. Absolutely. So those are some of the things that I I would uh, Mm -hmm. say. You also asked me a question about can one person make a difference. Mm -hmm. They really can. But they can make a difference when they're more likely connected to real organization. Being the right person at the right time with the right information or the right person can sometimes make a tremendous difference. A lot of times we don't even see our own uh, work. For instance, mm-hmm. I may go out and, and uh, I'm A, and I talk to B, mm-hmm. and I inform B, and B informs C, and C informs D, and D's in a position to do something about it. And I see that D doing it and see that being done and realize that, wow, that guy's really effective and had no idea that, it, that I was the beginning of the chain of knowledge. Oh, it's a great, mm-hmm. great point. Because, you know, a lot of people do the heavy lifting, and then most of uh, of the Americans are just sort of enjoying the show. And the, the interesting part about this question for you is, what do you, what percentage of our lives should be dedicated to this? I don't think people ever ask themselves that. They say, my life's busy. I don't have time to, to invest in education or, or understand what's going on. What percentage, if we were all invested into our own liberty in this country and understanding, what percentage would we need? We, maybe not much if we were all all doing that 
instead of a couple people doing not, the heavy not lifting. Not much if we were all doing it. And sometimes mm-hmm. we scare people off by telling them how, how busy we are. Right. And they don't want to be that busy. <laughs> but it, it's, 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 if you actually, like say, if you join the John Birch Society and you start to ed, ed, use our tools and our techniques and working with others in there, what you do is you, you slip it into what you're already doing. Mm-hmm. You don't take any that much extra time, if, if at all, and in, in when you first get going, because you're talking to your family. Right. You're with your family. You're talking to your fellow employees. You're already with your employees. You're talking to your people in church. You're already with your people in church. <laughs> and, and you're just simply from time to time slipping them information. And then hopefully down the road, they will mm-hmm. become uh, aware of what's going on and want to help do something about it and, and join hands with you yeah. in, in formulating plans in your local community to really do some, some wonderful things. That is a, we have people that, that spend, oh, golly, gobs of time mm-hmm. doing these things and others that do very little, but all together it adds up. All together it adds up. Where do you go for your news real quick? Where, where do you go to, to get real headlines? Because you know how the mainstream is now. Well, generally, I go to to my own website. Mm-hmm. You know, the the people we have working there. We've got lots of of uh, writers and and researchers and that sort of thing at jbs dot org. Mm-hmm. And at jbs dot org, you can sign up for your daily uh, ed- uh, editors uh, picks. Mm. And and every day you'll get five articles keeping you abreast of what's going on with the news. Now a lot of it you'll know that it's in the news, but you won't know the nuances that we put put in there mm-hmm. to show you what's behind the news, so to speak, mm-hmm. to give you a better understanding of what's really going on. So that's one place. Another thing that I would recommend right now is to go to jbs.org and order a uh, edition of our magazine, The New American, that we call the Deep State issue. Hmm. In other words, it's a series of articles talking about the deep state that, that uh, has been manifested now since the election of, of Trump mm-hmm. and exposing just what's behind all this and who's behind all of it and so on and so forth. It's a very popular edition of our magazine, Deep State Issue, The New American. Okay. Yeah, I'll check that out for sure. I uh, I so appreciate you coming on and, and kind of sharing with us uh, your perspective on on things that we need to be aware of. And and we have about thirty seconds. Anything you got your eye on now that that is a real danger, and I mean real danger uh, that you're feeling. Uh, the idea that Trump's going to take care of it for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, very very that true. That bothers me. Yeah, because uh, he's he can't. Yeah. And he can't even if he wants to unless we uh, get behind the things that he's doing that are right and yeah. letting him know through educating right. him right. Uh, where he might be wrong. Right. Like you say, he, his heart might be in the good place, but we've got to be, as a people, yep. kind of rise up and and, uh, and make that known. Uh, thank you so much, Art Thompson. Oh, I, my pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, what a great guest. We'll be right back with a lot more on headlines and and. Uh, and like you said, all those nuances that we don't catch in the mainstream. We'll be right back on katedalyradio.com. katedalyradio.com. Be right back and hang with us. Hey, everyone. Quick message here. I just wanted to tell you about, uh, about something Birch Gold is doing over the next week. And, you know, the reason I tell you to go to them is this is who I trust. There's a lot of people that come to me that want me to refer to them, to sell gold and silver to them or what have you. Nope, no way. This is who I trust. I trust Birch Gold. And this is why I talk about him on the air. And this is why I waited 13 years to talk about anyone on the air. 
is I really wanted to make sure it was somebody I knew I could trust. This is why Ron Paul trusts them. Steve Bannon trusts them. A lot of people with a lot of money. And let me just tell you, they're very, very good at what they do. And they're very good at advice. They have a Black Friday event uh, from uh, March, (laughs) from November 17th to November uh, 24th. Okay. And when you open a gold IRA and back it with gold, which might not cost you anything to do, for every $10,000 you spend by December 22nd, Birch Gold is going to send you a free gold bar. And this is, you have to text Kate to 989898, okay? That that phone number, 989898, to claim eligibility before Black Friday, all right? So Birch Gold can help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold for no money out of pocket, and you still get the free gold bars. Isn't that amazing? For every 10000 you put into an account backed with gold, you're going to get a free gold bar. I just think that's kind of amazing. So take advantage of this. It is... Um, it is uh, the 17th uh, through the 24th. Just make sure you go and do this. Text 989898 and text my name. All right. Really appreciate you doing that because I know you're going to get the information you need. Information's free. So this is just going to give you the info and then you can decide what to do. But it's some good advice for you. And I really like good advice. You know that. I do my homework. But this is who I trust most importantly. And I want to, I want to stress that. This is who I trust. These are the guys I trust. Thanks, you guys.